Hello and welcome to episode 74 of Just Keep Writing. A podcast for writers. By writers. To keep you writing. I'm Marshall. I'm Nick. I'm Brent. And I'm Will. All right, gents, we're back again. A little more NaNoWriMo talk. I think we're going to dive a little deeper this week. Um, I'm going to hand it over to Nick to kind of guide us through our process to approaching this week. But I want to give a little shout out to Brent for last week. That episode was awesome. Getting some prep going. Um, So hopefully he gave you a lot of things to think about. Um, But this time around, we're going to dive a little deeper. And Nick is going to guide us. What you got, buddy? Yeah, you know, kind of different because usually I kind of sit back a little bit. So I thought, you know, I had a thought tickle my brain here that, you know, Marshall, you and I have done quite a bit of work recently with school for pitches and synopsis. And then Brent a few weeks ago was like, I'd love to do an episode on NaNoWriMo. And I kind of put those two together like. Okay, what's part of NaNoWriMo? Like, you got to come up with a story. You got to know what you want to write about, unless you're a pantser and that's the way you want to go and you live life dangerously. And uh, I don't do that anymore for good reasons on my end. Um, so, yeah, I thought we kind of dive into that a little bit because I know, Brent, you briefly touched on that last week um, as part of, you know, strategies, getting ready for it. And felt like this week was a good one to kind of get into that and help you guys learn how to write a synopsis a little bit more and pitches and give you some groundwork and framework to work off of. All right. Well, here we go. I going to propose a question to the group. What is the difference between a pitch and a synopsis? Brent, I want to start with you because you are editor in the group. (laughs) Okay. So, and then Will and Marshall. Okay. So, A pitch is really just the high level explanation of the core idea of the story. So like if I'm pitching, uh, let me think of what I'd be pitching. Um, if I'm pitching the X-Men, let's just do, let's go high. Um, I would say something like, um, a group of people born with special abilities battle for their place in the world. That's a pitch. A synopsis is, Charles Xavier, a telepath born in, I forget where he's born. Let's just say in America. A telepath born in America is, uh, is on a crusade to fight for justice for his people. And he forms a group called the X-Men and so on and so forth. Like, so the difference is the pitch is a very high level explanation of the core idea. The synopsis is actually giving you key highlights of the story and, and a synopsis. And this is probably one of the strongest things about synopsis to remember. A synopsis holds nothing back. There are no, there are no, you don't keep the twist hidden. You don't, you know, avoid mentioning the rev- the big revelation. A synopsis is giving you the story in its complete raw form with hidden certain highlights. So it's not the back of the book reading no, to I let you know what it. it's about. <laughs> no, not even close. Perfect. Uh, Will or Marshall, anything to add on to that? I well, I th- I think I think just to add on to what Brent said, the the idea behind a pitch is, and this is something that is said at writing retreats and stuff like that, or conferences where you know you if the unlikely scenario of you ending up in an elevator with an editor or an agent or something like that, and you have you have thirty seconds to 
nutshell your entire story, your entire novel uh, to get them to buy or not. Right. That's the idea behind the pitch. But the synopsis is like Brent was saying, um, a more detailed skeleton of the entire piece. Right. But so what I was saying, as far as NaNoWriMo goes, is, and I think that's what Nick is leading up to with this is um, the idea of having a framework for your story right ahead of time. And I think that's yeah. I think that's kind of the crux of what a synopsis can do for you. Right. I mean, I think the idea that uh, pansters aren't going to have to write a synopsis, I think that's uh, a pipe dream if you're agented, because a lot of times you're going to have to do a pitch, you're going to have to write a synopsis, and you're also going to have to write one to five chapters, um, even if you've already proved yourself. Like Matt Wallace wrote two middle grade novels, and he they asked him what else he had. He sent them a pitch. He sent them a synopsis, and then they said, well, you know what, would you mind writing about five to six chapters after he's already proven that he's written this? So I think the idea that it's not for pansters is wrong. I think it, it's a, a great way for framework. I think to that point also is that Mer Lafferty has talked on her podcast and has said um, she's written an outline, she's written a synopsis, and in the when she actually started writing the book, the book changed directions. So it's not that you can't pants. It's just imagine it's let it be an exercise of getting the story out. So you're laying the groundwork, or even if it's not about layering the groundwork, it's actually about generating ideas to get motivation to write. I like that. Yeah, no, no, really love it. And yeah, you're, even if you're a pantser, you're not going to get away from those things. Like you said, having to do it for, you know, an agency or an editor and things like that. Um, so thanks, Will, for bringing that up and bringing it to light. Um, and for Matt, was that for Savage Legion in that series? No, okay. it was for his two middle grade books, and they just asked him for another one. And um, Matt was like, yeah, and then I had to do this. So, you know. <laughs> Man. Well, hats off to Matt. Um, it also happened to Gail Carriger, who has a New York Best Time selling series. Um, they actually made her, when they asked her to write Young Adult, they asked her to actually write 80% of that book, right? Before they even did anything. Then they did it. She had a best selling series. And then uh, Gail was going to write something else. And instead of, now this is someone who's established a best selling series as a best selling author. They asked her, to, what else does she have? She wrote a pitch. They did the synopsis. They did the first five chapters. And then her editor liked it. She brought it to sales and marketing. Nope. Mm. So it is something that even if you're um, a best-selling author and you're not someone who's like Stephen King, because they will literally take anything that man writes or the, <laughs> she who must not be named. Um <laughs> Literally, you're Stephen have King to talks do about that in on writing. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I know. Cool. What's next, buddy? Yeah, so we already kind of went into the the second question I had is why is writing a pitch or a synopsis beneficial? Um, and so, pre geared towards NaNoWriMo, right? It's going to help you generate ideas. It's going to help you kind of get that train moving along for you guys. Anything outside of that, just as Will brought up, you're going to need it to to give it to your editors, to your agents, um, 
clearly it doesn't matter unless you're Stephen King or she who must not be named, you know, you're going to need to write it. And you're, it's a skill set that you're going to need to have. So what better time to practice than before you actually have to write one? Marshall? Yeah, and before we get into the nitty-gritty on maybe how to approach writing a synopsis too, because I think that's what we're leading up to, I I think what might help bridge uh, what Brent was talking about last week and coming into this week is if you're not set on the idea, like we, you use the analogy, um, the seeds into a tree, right? You don't want to have a whole bunch of seeds floating around and you're like, oh, I'll water this one for a little bit and see if it grows, right? Like it might be a good idea to approach like what Nick and I've been kind of doing in our program is um, you may, we never may, we may never write some of these books, but the idea of picking a genre and writing a pitch um, or a synopsis and or a synopsis in that genre, just to see what ideas you generate, having that as a list and then picking which one to water for when nano comes around um, might be the way to approach this. So I think that's, I think that might be worth exploring for sure. Oh, absolutely. And in going back to, you know, Brent's talk last week too, he talked about coming up with comp titles mm. and then seeing where you can take that. Like, the you know and the kind of the point of you know creating these pitches is let's get the you know the brain juices start flowing let's get the creative muscle going for you um and like you said marshall how many have we written for the program now that we're in and i'm not gonna write certain romance pitches that i've put out there or even write further into short stories from scenes that i've written as well um but but i think it's good exercise i think it's good to be able to have that skill set to say yeah, I can come up with an idea and I give you a synopsis in, you know, a month, a day. You know, depends who you're talking to. Um, Brent, on, on kind of your end of things, I wanted to ask you as an editor, um, what's the benefit to a synopsis and having it done well? So especially in terms of nano. So if 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 the idea is to remove roadblocks that are going to keep you from pressing forward in the story. If you do that synopsis in advance, you're going to know where your weak points are in the story. You're going to know in advance, like, okay, maybe my protagonist intro isn't as, isn't as great as I thought it was. Or like, oh, I'm, I'm actually missing a strong inciting incident. Like, you can figure that out before you actually start drafting. And it won't stop your drafting. So that, that I think that's the really good benefit of trying to break out the synopsis beforehand because you start seeing like, yeah, you start you're able to you're able to see the core parts of your story that you're going to need to have in the draft to make it work, and you can spot problems beforehand. So I think that is probably the largest benefit is that structurally it sets you up in a good place before you start drafting. Perfect. Love that. Um, so one, one of the things that we've been kind of working off of is a, is a pitch formula. Um, and currently we, we start with pitches in our, in our program and then we build a synopsis off, out of that. And so that's kind of what I want to take it to here. And and talk about that pitch formula that we've been working on, uh, Marshall. Mm. So the the formula that you know we've been given is, and I'll read it right here: is person A 
is a blank who wants blank but needs blank. In order to accomplish blank, they must blank. When they blank and blank, the story is finished. So, and I'm going to push this to you, Marshall, because you and I have been working on this one. How did you start tackling this? And I'm just going to say this. I don't, I don't think this uh, synopsis, I don't think this pitch formula is a new by any stretch of imagination. No, this I've is, definitely this, heard it. Yeah, no. this is a very, this is a very structured, you could find this online. It's, it, what I like about it though, and the way I approach it is I, I start with a genre, first of all. So if I am, if, if I plan on writing a mystery, okay, that pitch formula is going to be very different than uh, I will alter it a little bit differently than I would if it was a, like an epic fantasy, right? Because right. within that within that pitch, I have to lay out the hint of the mystery formula that the reader is going to expect as well, right? Um, you know whether it be a, you know, dead body or something that's happened. And then what's the character's motivation to solving that crime? All of that stuff has to come through on that, on that pitch. Right. So how I approach it first is essentially, um, <laughs> you know, what's my genre, who's my character, what, and what's the antagonist. Um, and those things I will plug those in and then I've got to figure out the other stuff in the middle. Like, the little or nuances of like, okay, if they get X, this thing will happen as a result. Right. And, but if it's a romance, for example, that's going to be completely different because there's going to be another character involved in that, that is going to be intertwined. And that expectation at the end is that happily ever after or happily, happily for now that has to be at the end of that pitch. Right. Because you can't sell a romance without saying that that's going to happen because that's a promise that is inherent in that genre. Right. So that's how right. I approach it. Genre first, then character, then figure out the, the, uh, what that character needs and wants and who the antagonist is. Got it. No, I love, love hearing that. Will question for you. Um, as someone who has been writing, writing short stories and novels and things like that, um, is, is working on your pitch or pitches for these works. Um, is that something that you currently do you have done before kind of what's your take on that? Uh, no, in school, we used to actually have to write a synopsis before we decided what we were going to write. So, um, at the start of our, um, fiction workshops and the way that Columbia was structured, you had your first fiction workshop and each workshop built upon the each other workshops. Right. So we had, um, one, two, we had about eight altogether. I had, um, six fiction two nonfiction. So for fiction, we had to write, at the beginning of the first program, we had to write 10 synopsises. Um, and we all discussed them. And how we discussed them was this. No one knew who wrote what, right? So no one was biased about who wrote it. 
um, all of us read them out loud and all different, you know, there was about 30 people in my uh, class. Um, and then we would start rating them, right? Like saying, you know what, I really liked this one and it would help all of us generate ideas. And then what we would do um, after everyone picked one, we would then put it back in the pile. Again, no one knew who was writing it. Then everyone discussed, how can we make that stronger? Right? How can, and all of us would generate. So it was almost like being in a, in a writing room for a TV show and really discussing, but we could all then go back and it really, um, made all of our ideas and the way that we did stronger. Um, out of my six trunk novels that I've written, um, it's helped to an extent, but I think each time I'm, I'm writing and I get closer, I think the synopsis has definitely helped. But, but I, I do my synopsis by doing a seven point plot system. So I will figure out the seven major plot points and then I will write the synopsis from there. That's super smart. Well, I also really like the idea of structuring that without the names attached to it, because then you're just getting feedback and you don't have to worry about, I don't know. I I like the way that we're doing it in our program. It's, It's similar, but at the same time, there are names attached to it. I like the idea of not having the names attached to it quite a bit actually, and having like a sort of a blind workshop, then coming back and, and having those pitches, being able to modify your, your synopsis or whatever based off the feedback without worrying about the other stuff. Right. Go ahead. Yeah. So another exercise that we did is, um, this is besides the one horrible experience I had in school when I wasn't supposedly allowed to write genre. Um, all my other teachers were amazing, but, uh, my one professor said, you know, um, it's similar to how you guys are doing your genre fiction. We each got to pick, uh, a work of, um, old literature meaning from about probably about the 17th all the way up to about the late 19th century. Um, we got to pick something from the Harlem Renaissance. We got to pick something that was uh, literary contemporary, meaning from 1970 to present. But then we were also allowed to pick a mystery uh, and or science fiction work. And it could be whatever. So what we needed to do was read those works we needed to capture the voice of that author in the way that we were writing the synopsis, you know? So you're still writing a very blanket synopsis, but the idea was how can you capture the rhythm of the language within the synopsis without being flowery, without, you know, um, with delivering the information, but also in the, in the notion of the voice. And she actually gave us um, an example of what Toni Morrison pitched for one of her books and a synopsis she had to write afterwards, after we did it. And it was really interesting because while she was delivering a synopsis that was very clear cut, you could still tell this was a Toni Morrison book, right? Because we didn't know who wrote it at first. She just said, this is someone who is literary. It is a female um, 
and she exited out the words and we were all like, this totally sounds like Toni Morrison, mm. not just the idea of the book, but the way that it was written, which was very fascinating because it was also a point of like voice. Oh, for sure. Oh, that's super, super interesting. Should that'd be fun exercise to do as a, as a writing group. Um, so does anyone feel like coming up with a pitch right now? A pitch of any kind? A pitch or? of any kind. Oh, I have like eight. Um, but go ahead. I, Someone I, go first. I, I, I'll get my book. I have to go get my book. Go get your book. Go get your book. I would. So kind of what I'd like to do is is talk about a pitch. Let's let's hear a couple from Will. Um because he's got some experience here. And then I kind of want to move on to the actual synopsis portion um, where, you know, we actually talk what needs to go in it. Um, I actually got an example I'm going to read. Um, it's probably sucks, but I'm learning. Um, so you guys can learn with me on that one. Um, I use the um, Susan Denard uh, one page synopsis. Like that's my, I've that's heard my that one. Yeah. And it's got me, it got me a lot of, I mean, it got me a lot of requests when I was trying to query. So, but I think that's the difference too. Like there's the, there's the one page synopsis, which is you're generally going to see more for like, um, when you're out there in the query trenches and then you have like the five page synopsis, which is more so what you're going to be putting in front of publishers. Yeah. And you, you just recently did a five page, didn't you, Brent? No, I, yeah, I did actually. Jesus. It feels like a century ago, but yes, that was this summer. <laughs> this summer if, if you guys mention something in this episode that we can link to, um, like I, I missed when I when I go to edit, I'll I I usually put things into the show notes, um, but I put the link in the document. Um, if you could throw in there, like you said, your one page pitch. If you, even yeah. if just typing that, then I can find it, and then okay. we can then we can throw it in there. Um, for people to check out. So sure. uh, as we talk about these things, um, we'll put as much as we can in the show notes um, so that people can link to them um, and find some help if they want to write a pitch um, or a synopsis. So, yeah, I, 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 I live and breathe by the Susan Denard synopsis for sure. Perfect. Yeah, no, it's, it's one I will be picking up to, to start <laughs> implementing as I'm learning how to do this. Um, and as her example, she uses Star Wars and she does a synopsis of um, New Hope. And it's very compelling how she does it. Oh, I bet. I'm going to check that out. All right. Will's back with his book. What do we? What you got there, buddy? So this is just like we had to do one. Like we had to do only a couple sentence pitch, basically, because we were doing a, a round robin. Right. So the one that um, the one that I'm going to talk about, I actually wrote. Uh, and I've never shown it to anyone. Um, so it is, um, Bethany Elkin is a, uh, I have to just read it right. Bethany Elkin lives in New York city in 1920 and is desperate for money. She, um, I wrote this really quick. So I had to finesse it. Cause we did this like on the spot. She, has the idea of doing a burlesque show. So she goes for the uninitiated to the show. This is horrible, but this is what basically I had to do because I'm, my handwriting's terrible. Sorry. I'm nervous. Um, basically it's a burlesque magic show speakeasy. So imagine if you mm-hmm. had Gail Carriger's, um, soulless 
meets Moulin Rouge. Okay. That sounds awesome. See, and we're working in the comp titles already. I love it. Yeah. There was more written to that, but then it was like, that's not my, that was more of my synopsis. So I I was like, let me skip that. I think that's good. Yeah. That's a great idea right there to like get you going. Right. Especially for pre nano. You wrote it and you, how many did you have to write in a short amount of time? Um, I had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Dang. I guess I could I mean, read the synopsis minutes. for um the novella I got coming. Well, the pitch, I guess, because it was sort of a pitch when they did the announcement. So, well, and I, I think could- I think what we've been doing too is kind of throwing pitch and synopsis out almost synonymously. Right. Um, so we got to kind of be careful here, guys. So like, I, like and I think that's why Will kind of stopped there because he was yeah. getting more synopsisy. So pitches are fine. Why don't we, if we were going to transition into synopsis, which I think Brent, that's what you're leading up to. Well, this was actually a pitch. Are you so this pitch? Is okay. One, yeah. So this is the one that they did for the announcement for the novella that I got coming out next year. Next year. Yes. Okay. Perfect. Okay. So okay. So this is um, the one for a necessary chaos uh, in the world of magical empires and the anarchists that would tear them down. A necessary chaos follows two mages, Altus and Vade, each assigned to spy on the other by opposing sides. But when they both catch feelings, what happens when they're commanded to kill their target? They must decide to follow orders or find a way to make their romance thrive behind their lies. Hmm. <laughs> so that's the... Quick little pitch. Well, I'm ready to read that. So, could you get on it? Yeah, we're all ready to read that, dude. <laughs> That's, why I've been, That's why I've been struggling with over here. Trying to... Just get to it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, chop, chop. I mean, I don't so... know what to say here. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess to critically look at that one. So, you had like, I gave you genre because I started off with magical and empires, right? So, it kind of like puts you in the mind of fantasy. But then I kind of like, make sure I, I kind of give you an idea that it's not like um, not necessarily of token as fantasy by talking about, you know, anarchists and talking about people being assigned to spy on each other. That Those are more modern things. So it kind of like gives you the, it kind of cues the reader in on like what kind of world they're getting. I give you the two main characters and I kind of give you their problem. Like they are supposed to spy on each other, but they have feelings for each other. And now they've been at, in the conflict, they've both been asked to kill the other and they have to figure out what to do about it. And so that, so looking at that critically, that, those are the kind of like, those are the kind of points you want to hit. Like you want to give the reader a clear setting, clear idea of genre and a clear idea of whose story they're following and why. Awesome. No, I love it. And uh, I'm excited to hear the synopsis from that. <laughs> um, Will, Will and Marshall, though, before we move on to actual synopsis work, anything else about pitches and what you can do with that for NaNoWriMo prep? This isn't necessarily for NaNoWriMo prep, um, but I think it's a good exercise for NaNoWriMo. I think a synopsis will be more beneficial to have be- when you decide to... I think it's a staged thing for NaNoWriMo. So you come up with your pitch, just your ideas, maybe some comp titles, develop into your synopsis, and then get into what Brent was kind of talking about last week and 
really fleshing out the character um, and the world and all that stuff before you start writing for Nano. But I think when a pitch comes in really, really, really handy um, is at conventions and retreats and stuff. Because inevitably, what do writers do when they sit around and they're talking to each other and we some of us might be introverts, some of us may not want to, you know, what do you do when everybody's a writer in the room? Oh, what do you write? What, what are you, you working, working on? on? What are you working on, right? And right. in that moment is a perfect time to to test your pitchiness, right? To throw your pitch out there for your current work in progress. But having that kind of in your head already and having it written or at least developed enough to where you don't go, um, well, I'm working on this story and uh, it's pretty cool because this, you know, we, we've been there. I've been there, right? But having that pitch kind of ready to go um, is really beneficial uh, for those type of situations, for sure. So I just want to throw it out there before we move into synopses. So no, that's, all, that's all I got. Hey, I appreciate it. Okay. I appreciate it. I'll, uh, so with when it comes to a synopsis, as we defined it you know, a little bit earlier, you're telling the full story. You're not hiding anything you're telling the ending you're telling you know the the secrets that are there and and what moves the plot forward and things like that um so and i'll start with you on this one brent okay how how do you write a good synopsis what what are the three three takeaways that we can get from you that will make your synopsis great all right so um the most important thing is you have to have good word economy you only have, at least if we're talking about synopsis, no, both. I think it applies to both. If it's one page or five, you still have only a limited amount of space to get the information across that you need to to convince whoever's reading it that you know how to tell a good story. You're basically having to take 400, 500 pages and condense it into either a page or five pages. So every word Every single word counts. So you have to be able to cut out fluff. Like, I think Will was talking about how the Toni Morrison synopsis was, you know, very to the point and it still felt like her. Like, that's what you're, that's what you're aiming for. Like, you want it to, to be to the point and still have capture your voice. Will? Yeah, I think Brent, uh, says that really good too, because, when you think of Toni Morrison, you think of like this uh, very literary, but you know, Toni Morrison evokes something from you when you read her. Right. And her synopsis that she wrote, um, you know, and I can get it for discord too, if anyone wants to see it, it wasn't purple prose, but her, the way that she just structured everything, it was sparse yet poignant and like, to the point and it just made you be like yeah this is like this is the book that i would want to read like you can see why her the editor you know really took it on and was like okay yeah because it was still her she wasn't doing any like tricks or anything or purple prose it was just really eloquent which she's tony morrison (laughs) right yeah of course brent so exactly, she's Toni Morrison, but even even the Toni Morrison is bound by the constraints of the industry, right? So if you 
And then that's the other good thing about this too. I'm glad Will mentioned Purple Pro. So the for in the part in the context of nano, the reason that this is important that you have that word economy is that you'll cut through your own bullshit and you'll know if this is actually a story or not. Because you're not going to be able to pad it. You're not going to be able to fluff it up with five page descriptions of food. You're not going to be able to, you know, spend 10 pages on someone what everyone's wearing. Like you you have to get to the core parts of the story and you will know if they're not there because that synopsis will not be strong. So that 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 would be my first thing, word economy. And then um you said three. So uh I guess the second thing would be so f- don't hold back on anything plot wise. There's no such thing as I'm going to surprise them at the end. Like, no, assume that this person needs to know everything about the story and that you you're you're not you're not leaving out the plot twist. Like in the example of, let's say if we were um, doing a synopsis for Empire Strikes Back. In that synopsis, you will put that Darth Vader is revealed as Luke's father. You don't leave that out of a synopsis. Like you absolutely put the huge plot points in there. So that would be my second thing. Um, my third thing, I'm trying to think what my third thing would be. Uh those two are really big. Like those two really, really cover a lot of it. I guess the third thing would be just to um, make sure that you don't worry about subplots. This isn't about subplots. Subplots do not go in the synopsis. This is all about your core main plot. This is what you're trying to convey in the, in, in the synopsis. Because that the getting in the subplots, that's just, just more padding. That's just more fluff. Focus on the main plot. And those would be my three main things. Well, especially if you're talking about a one-page synopsis, you can't write a, you're not going to be able to write a one-page synopsis with all the subplots, with all the characters and everything else if, if you only got one page, right? So, you, you know, that one through line of the main plot, I think um, that makes a lot of sense. So those are good. Those are good points, man. Yeah, no, excellent. I actually want to take those three points, Brent, and we're going to grade a synopsis that was written by myself. Um, okay. And let's actually work through this because this is something I am working on. I'm not an expert. I wanted to talk about this because I need help, right? I need to learn. Um, and so this is one of the first ones I wrote for school. It is not a page long. I am working on, on, on these things for me. Um, okay. But I'm gonna I'm gonna post it in our in our little group chat here, and I'm gonna read for our listeners to have the benefit of it. Um, okay. But yeah. All right. Well, let's let's give you the. Let's I give think it a go. I read this one, didn't I? You didn't comment if you did. I'll just no, I read it. this one. I didn't comment, but yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> Wait. Right. Yeah. You didn't Are you ready it. to read it, Nick? Yeah, I'm good to go. You guys ready? Yeah. Let's do you go. want me to read, it, or do you want us to read it so you can listen? I can read it out loud. That's fine. Okay. Sometimes it just helps if you're listening. I just, I'm I'm more here trying trying to I can <laughs> I can listen to myself read this later, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Oh my god, that's true. I didn't even think of that. <laughs> so I'm all in the moment. Hey, right? This is a good the good point to be. So okay, uh, 
subtext here. This is a YA romance um, that I wrote this for. So Liam is the star quarterback with a full ride scholarship to play for Army at West Point Military Academy. Joining the military and following in his grandfather's footsteps is all his father had ever wanted for him, even though he never bothered to understand what his son wanted. Liam stayed on this path until Andrea threw him off the perfectly paved path his father had set out for him. Andrea, Andrea wants to show the perfectly perfect Liam that the world of color she lives in through graffiti and street art. But instead of showing Liam colorful life, how colorful life can be, they get caught painting a mural on the side of their school building. Liam's dad pulls him out of school. He loses his scholarship and surprisingly, he misses Andrea the most. Liam just can't go back to the grades that used to that his life used to be and has to find balance in his relationship with Andrea, get his father to understand him and earn a second chance for college. So, okay. I'm, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to mute myself because this is what you should <laughs> do in a good critique group, right? I'm going to shut up and listen. Um, but yeah, yeah, and you guys have the the text there as well. I edit, uh, you know, edited a little bit on the fly there but okay yeah. well um sure. out. So, all right so i have i have this checklist i use susan denard's um like i say I, I keep mentioning it but i use her one page synopsis and she has this checklist of things that should be mentioned in the one page synopsis so she always recommends that you have an opening image to start whether that's like it sets a setting, a concept for the stage for the story to come. So I feel like that is sort of missing here because you immediately jump into the protagonist intro, which is something that she mentions you need as well. So you do that. Liam is the star quarterback with the full ride scholarship for Army at West Point Military Academy. That's the protagonist intro. So, and you are, and the second sentence gives us a little bit about the character. So that's actually really good. She suggests that you, I would shorten it though. So she suggests that you give one to two descriptive words and say what they want. So I would just say Liam is the star quarterback for, for Army at West Point Military Academy. I don't need to know he has a full ride right now. You could just say, Liam is the star quarterback with to um sorry Liam is the star quarterback to play for Army at West Military Academy uh, and join the military and following in his father's footsteps is all he ever wanted. That sets the stage. Now I know that there's privilege and I know that there's legacy by you saying following in someone's footsteps. I don't need the part about the full ride right now. That doesn't really matter for this. Like you, because I know what you're trying to do. You're trying to set up that he is coming from. He's coming from a background that has certain prestige to it and a certain expectations. You saying he's following in someone's footsteps, that does that for somebody. That that immediately sets up legacy and history and whatnot. So I don't need to know about the full ride. Just cut that out. Tell me he plays football. Tell me he's trying to follow in someone's footsteps. To, uh, now, so I know what he wants, and I kind of have a description of him. So you you already kind of like setting it in my mind. So this this kind of what I mean about the word economy. Like, you chop it up. And so, okay, after that, you introduce the protagonist. The inciting incident should happen next. So you actually did that. So you um, have Liam stay on the path until Andrea threw him off. 
Now, what? I, so I would kind of like change that up a little bit. I'm like, um, Liam seemed headed for you know success until until he meets Andrea, who who throws his world upside down or something like that. And so that's the inciting incident. Meeting her is what causes the story to change. Now. What it, now? What's missing after that, though, is a plot point. Like there's, there needs to be a specific plot point. So she, so I would cut out that sentence. Andrea wants to show the perfectly perfectly in the world of color she lives in through the graffiti and street art. Or it not necessarily cut it, but merge it into the actual getting caught with the painting of mural. So. You could say Liam meets the rebellious Andrea who throws him off of his perfect path. And um, she shows him her world of graffiti and street art. And uh, and they end up getting caught with him um, painting a mirror on the side of the building. I'm, I'm not pulling on full editor hat here since we're just talking it out. So I would I would definitely clean that sentence up a lot more. But just so you can get the idea. And then um, you have a good midpoint. I noticed that. I was like, your midpoint is actually very strong. So the midpoint is when Liam's dad pulls him out of school, he loses his scholarship. Like that is a strong midpoint in the story. That's when you know, okay, shit's about to take a turn. Like up until this point, you had Andrea. Andrea changed his life. And now there's a reaction to that change. So you have that. Now, you sort of have so there's supposed to be a um black moment where like you know things seem just completely bleak for the character and you sort of have that with the oh sorry trying to get back to where um he loses his scholarship but i don't know if that's a strong enough black moment necessarily where everything's gone south so that might be something to think about um, surprisingly, he misses Andrea the most. You don't need that. We, it's a romance. We know he misses her. We know he loves her. Like, it, you would want to mention if it was, if you were subverting it and he was like, he hates Andrea now. Like, that would be where you kind of would mention that. But we kind of know, like, lean into what people already know about these tropes. And then, um, says so a climax. So, there wasn't really, there wasn't really a climax. Like, I don't think there was a climax where I felt like the final blowout, like there wasn't really one where it's like, maybe a climax could have been like, he makes the decision that, that Andrea means more to him than family history and confronts his dad and, and tells him that he's like moving out or something. Like that would be a climax. And then also, too, you want your synopsis to end not on the climax, actually. You want it to end on, um, you want a resolution. You have to provide the resolution. How does the story end? Do him and Andrea get together and they're happy? Does he get in a car crash on the way to go to her? Does he find her overdosed when he shows up to her apartment? Like, there has to be a resolution that brings the story to an end. And then you kind of have you kind of have that final image, right? And, that, and the final image is sort of, it's what you want to leave the reader with to kind of like, now they're going to build a new life together. He's chosen Andrea, you know, happily ever after. That, that, yeah. So I think you you hit on some of the first points needed in the synopsis well. And then like, as you kept going, it started 
kind of teetering more into book jacket territory, whereas it should have kept being like plot focused. So, okay, that I, I did a lot of talking on that. But I 100% agree with everything you just said, by the way. <laughs> like, so I that's a, there's one thing with synopsis I struggle with personally is book jacket stuff. I keep doing it over and over again, and it's annoying, and I can't get the habit out of me. So, I'm working on that. But it, it, even my ending is totally book jacket, right? Like, uh, on this one. So, no, I, I, I appreciate you, you know. Give me some feedback on that. I thought it would be fun to kind of do it on the show, though, too. Um, I'll turn it over to, to Will and Marshall if you guys have anything to add and to that, to what Brent had said. I mean, I think Brent covered a lot. I just, I'm glad he said that because it was boring to me. I don't really know the stakes, right? And and the stakes of, like, what have been written so far, it just wasn't like, I didn't feel like, ooh, um, I want to read more. Sorry, that probably came out really harsh, but everyone just in yeah, our next episode, how to take critiques. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but but I think but but I think uh, putting those two uh, side by side, uh, you know, Brent, and I think this is really important uh, as we close out here soon. When if you're writing a synopsis, and this is something you're going to write for Nanorama, for example, right? Putting it up against the template that Brent ran through, right? You could tell he was running through, uh, you know, what needs to be in that one in that one page synopsis and comparing it to what you've written, and that compared with what Will said, you know, he, you know, the stakes weren't there. He wasn't engaged with it. Why not? What's missing? What was missing was the things that Brent pointed out, right? So before you get to the point to where you're about to write this novel, and again, we're just talking about that first draft thing, but it's important to understand that if, if you have something to compare it to before you get to that point, you already know the stakes, you already know what's going on, right? And you know how to approach it before you get deep and you're like starting to pants because you're like, shit, I have no stakes. Shit, I'm bored by my own stuff. Like, what am I supposed to do now? Right? Go ahead, Brent. So to, sorry, to, um, to kind of like hop on what Marshall was saying and putting this in the perspective of Nano, if this was the synopsis that somebody was going to start drafting with, they would probably have stalled out by the time the dad showed up. Because that's when everything starts to lose momentum. Like it would have been the dad shows up, takes him out of school, and then I guarantee that's when the hypothetical writer of this would have started choking and not figuring out where to go or what to do. Because that's kind of when, that's kind of when there wasn't that solid path anymore. Like, cause I feel like before then it, it wasn't, it's not necessarily the, the, the cleanest, but the points were there, but it's like, once the dad shows up and takes him out of school, we get that midpoint event. And then after that, it's like, the rest of it just it just isn't there anymore. Well, that's what happens too. That's the saggy middle. That's when people lose momentum anyway because right. they're like, "Well, I think something cool should be happening now, but I'm also now bored by my own thing because I don't have the stakes there." Right? right. Sorry, right. Will, you were going to say something? Um, no, it's just um, 
Nick was texting me because he was like, no, I feel like you came off totally fine. Um, <laughs> I did. I'm leaving, I'm leaving that in, by the way. <laughs> yeah. No, I want you to leave this in. I, I want to leave this in because I think when you're comfortable with people yeah. and you know where they're coming from, um, if Brent didn't say what he said, I would have come most likely would have said all that, but then I probably would add my own comment of being like, I'm bored, you know, like this doesn't make me feel like I want to read it. I don't, I don't feel it because sometimes I think when you're giving feedback or when you're thinking about, you know, reading your own work, right. Or thinking about your story, there is a level of realness you need to have, right. Where you can just be like, I'm bored. This does not move me or I'm confused or, you know, like we're, we're telling you what is the symptom of what we're feeling, right? Yeah. So I think when you can be that um, direct uh, with the people that you trust your writing with, I think that's really right. important because you don't want anyone to be like, well, I think this is, you know, like you really sometimes just need to be that direct and be like, you know what? I'm really bored. I don't think I feel the stakes in any, in any of this. Um, that right there you know, is why I don't give my work up to most writing groups anymore well, or, or, or writers for that journal. Because I, if I don't know what kind of feedback you're going to give me, if you can't be like, well, and be like, oh, this sucked. I'm bored. I don't want to read it. I don't need I would, never say, I would never say anything. I don't think I've ever said to you, this has sucked. Okay. <laughs> no, let's just clear. No, he, hasn't, he hasn't. Um, yeah, I've oh, always said to you though, I always have said to you, you know, right in here, is a place that I'm bored or I don't believe this character's motivation. I think it's like a cop out, you know, or I'm just severely like, what's going on in here? I'm so lost. I can well, articulate it in a way that's really direct. And I, and I, and I like Will's directive directness as well. I sent him a story shit, what, six months ago. And, 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 and the say? underlying feedback was uh, I'm annoyed he was, a, I had some repetition in the story and there was something the character kept saying and he, it annoyed him. And I'm like, shit, now I'm annoyed. You know what I mean? Like when I read, I went back and I read the story again. I was like, yeah, I can totally see that, you know? And so that, that to me, I wasn't offended by that. I was like, shit, wait, you're annoyed. That actually makes sense because that repetition wasn't working. So why keep that going? You know what I mean? And I think too, to that point is like in my writing group with my, um, the writing group that I'm in with Billy, RJ, Just and Josh and Gabe, say the, name. The, the immortals, that's what we've <laughs> named ourselves. Um, and it's, it's actually because of our stories we first presented we're like, we're all grappling with death and life. <laughs> um, what, um, I've really said to them is that if I'm telling you, cause I am this direct in my writing group, like I'm really like just like to Marshall, like I'm annoyed. I always tell them you have to take what I'm saying with a grain of salt as well. Right. So for example, I'm not the person who is going to be like all like gun ho about epic fantasy. I'm just not, there's epic fantasy that I like, but I don't think it's really what I naturally gravitate towards. So I'm going to pick up on different things that people who love epic fantasy might look over because they love, the, they love that storytelling so much, you know, where I can be a little bit more objective and be like, or not objective. Maybe it's just, maybe I'm just like, I don't like this. So, you know, like take that with a grain of salt, like think about 
you know, was that purposeful? Did you mean to do that? Um, what is everyone else's feedback? Cause I could just be annoyed and everyone else could love it. No, super good points that you guys bring it up side tangent, uh, uh, on the synopsis here that we kind of tackled here, but I love it. Um, you know, I, I just want to thank you guys again, um, you know, for being on the show with me, Brent, it's been a year. Well, I mean, we're just over a year and a half. Almost. It feels like Marshall, we're coming up on three. That can't be true, but okay. And, I and in you. fact, this week may be our actual three year anniversary, four year anniversary. That can't be three right. years. Uh, 2018. We are on a three year anniversary. Oh, on our shirt. friendship. Yeah. Wow, and our podcast will be three years in February. So uh true. We did meet this time in 2018. It's crazy. Hmm. It is crazy. But hmm. you know, I, I love sharing my work with you guys and, and getting some feedback. Um, so I hope in, in future episodes, depending on listener feedback, you know, if you guys want to re- hear about more what writing, what we're doing. <laughs> I'm happy to share my mistakes with you guys so we can kind of learn from it. I think this was a good learning point, not just for me, but hopefully for you readers out there, listeners as well. Um, Does anyone have any final thoughts on uh, pitches and synopsis for NaNoWriMo? Um, What I would say is that be open to it changing. I think we'll mention this, like get it done, but don't, just like I was saying before, don't get so mired in like the one thing that you feel like you're married to it and you can't change it. Like this is to this is to help you see weak points and to strengthen strengthen everything structurally before you dive into the story. But that does not mean you are married to it. It does not mean you have to absolutely stick to it. Like you you can if you do a synopsis and as you're writing the story, all of a sudden you think of a better midpoint. So be it. Change the midpoint. Keep it pushing. This is something Charlie J. Anders actually says too. Um, when she gets to a point where she realizes, like, oh, I want to change the plot a little bit here. She'll literally put a note in the story and say, okay, the plot is changing from this to that, and then keep drafting the story based on the new change. And she'll go back and retcon and fix everything later. Mm. Like, just keep doing what you need to do to push through and yeah. So don't get married and don't get stuck on anything. So what you would say, since we're leading up to NaNoWriMo and these are some tips and tricks and tools, you would say, just keep writing. Like- I, honestly. Yes. This <laughs> just keep writing. I mean, I did it last episode. I did it last episode. So why not? Let's keep it going. Just keep writing. But that's really the crux of all of this. You just want to keep going. It really has to be. So that was Seriously. great. and this has been just keep writing a podcast for writers by writers to keep you writing you can find us at justkeepwriting.org follow us on facebook twitter instagram and youtube feel free to reach out to any of us on our social medias and please jump in our just keep writing discord channel links to all of that is in the show notes lastly please support our show by going to patreon.com slash just keep writing We offer daily writing prompts, early access to podcast episodes, and much more. Thanks for listening, and just keep writing.